Life Audio. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to counter anxiety and fear, big and small. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul, deep, emotional, and spiritual freedom, and we want to inspire you to share that freedom with others. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn about one of our upcoming events, how to book one of our speakers for your next event, or simply how to connect with us. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Ava Pennington. And scripture makes numerous promises that we can cling to when we're feeling anxious and afraid. But one of the most comforting to me personally is the assurance of God's presence. The Bible tells me the Lord of all creation, the one with perfect knowledge, limitless power, the one who is always for me, stays with me always. And I'm learning to find peace in his presence. I'm learning to pause in my most chaotic, my most uncertain moments to remind myself that he is with me always and that he will never leave. And last year, this was something I just constantly reminded myself of because it brought me a lot of strength to work through some really difficult, really confusing and painful moments. Some hurts that were felt so intense that I was worried I was going to be completely overwhelmed by them. And during that really hard season, I feared that I would never, I just had so much anxiety and I feared that I would never experience God's peace again. And I knew intellectually that Jesus promised us full and abundant life. And he said, I give you my peace. And so I I knew those were promises that he made, but I kind of, when I thought of myself, I, I disqualified. And so I, I was really tempted to pull back during that season and, and to quit pursuing healing because it was, the, it was the pursuit of healing that was kicking up a lot of these emotions. And had I done that, basically, I, I was tempted to pursue a partially free life. Like I could kind of live in this homo, homostasis and wouldn't have all of the emotions kicking up, but then I wouldn't fully experience the peace that he promised. But during that time, God spoke courage to me and he used Isaiah 43 verse two. So I'm going to read part of it, but that whole, just the whole passage actually surrounding it, I camped in for quite a while. But in this passage, he says through the prophet Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
And what I sensed him saying to me in that passage was, first of all, I would experience fire. I would be, I would experience, maybe it would feel like my world was being flooded, like I was in the middle of a hurricane or a tsunami, but that he would be with me through it and he would not let me drown. It would, it might feel more than I can bear, but with him by my side and leaning on him and following his lead, it would not be more than I could bear in his strength. That gave me the courage to continue just moving one step at a time. And I'm reminded as we celebrate Christmas, as we're thinking about Christmas, that's, I think the best gift God could have given us is Jesus is called Emmanuel. And because that signifies that Jesus came in human flesh, God came to us, God literally with us. And then if we trust in him for salvation, he actually lives inside of us. So it's like this, this double, he's with us wherever we go and he's living inside of us as well. Therefore we will never be alone and we have access to his presence and his strength at every moment. And what's interesting there is that he doesn't promise to take away all the trouble and to change every circumstance. I mean, often in his mercy, he does that for us, but it's the promise of his presence in the midst of whatever, in the midst of it. It's taking our eyes off the circumstance and changing our focus. It reminds me of when Peter was walking on the water, Jesus bid him come out and he steps out of the boat and he's looking at Jesus and wow, look, I'm doing it. I'm walking on water. And then what does the Bible say? Well, he took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the wind and the waves and and he started to sink. So it's about our perspective. I often think of the, the story told of the little boy who had a nightmare. And so he's in his darkened room and he sees these weird shadows and he thinks there's monsters in the closet and under the bed. And he calls for daddy, 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 come. And so daddy comes says, there's monsters, there's monsters. And what does the father say? I'm here. And that's enough for the child. Nothing about his room changed. He didn't move to a different room, but daddy was there and his focus changed. And I think that's what God does for us. And that's what he did for you, right? Right. And well, he's still doing, because I think it's a, it's a, pro- for me, it's a process. And I do want to speak to our listeners who are like, well, I didn't have that daddy, right? So I don't know what that feels like to have a caretaker to say, it's going to be okay. And I'm with you. And so it's going to be a challenge. And we're going to talk about that in this episode, maybe some challenges, particularly for them as they're learning to trust. But as you're telling that story, I'm reminded of all of the times in scripture. There's numerous times where God says, do not fear. And then he follows it up with, for I am with you, or I will never leave you, or I forsake you. So do not be afraid. And one of my, one I really love, it comes from Isaiah 41 10. I'm going to read it now. And this is again, God speaking through the Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And but we could probably do actually a whole episode just breaking that down, everything in that verse. But it's such a picture of the care experienced through his presence. And if you think about it, the ancient Israelites at that time had some mixed experiences. You talk about some of our listeners who don't have a, you know, that father figure and can't 
imagine trusting a daddy because they either didn't have a daddy they could trust or they didn't have a daddy at all or anybody who would be protective and care for them. And the Israelites kind of had mixed experiences because on the one hand, God blessed them and led them out of Egypt and and did all of that. And on the other hand, when they sinned, he allowed the Assyrians to come in and the Babylonians to come in to execute judgment. And so they didn't always have this compassionate view of God either, but they had to trust that he would always be true to his character. You know, you bring up a good point too, because we know collectively and Israel's leaders were sinful, but we also know that they're not, Isaiah was not sinful. And he suffered from the sin of others. And there's other people in scripture, like if you read the book of Esther, Mordecai, does, I don't get the impression that he was ever idolatrous. It's important for us to understand we live in a broken world. We live in a world where many people do sin and where there are consequences for sin. And sometimes we experience the consequences because someone else, like if you have a father who was abusive, right? That's sin. And it's not your sin, but you suffered from that. And so, like you said earlier, God doesn't promise us this side of heaven that we're not going to experience what sin has done in our world, what evil does with our world. But we do know that he's promised to be with us, to help us, to strengthen us, to give us peace in the middle of chaos. And he's also promised us, praise God, that this, I'm I'm quoting Susie Larson with this, but this is as bad, life on earth is as bad as it's going to get, which I love knowing that. Yes. And the comfort in knowing that it's never, it's life here is never going to be as good as it gets, right? Because- right. Better is always, always, always waiting for us. Right. And and I derive such comfort from that. You know, you mentioned sometimes we suffer for the sins of others. I think back to Exodus, where the people had been had received the Ten Commandments and they had sinned and God was angry at them. And so what does God say? He says, Moses, just take them. You take them through the wilderness into the promised land, but I'm not going with you because if I do, I'm done with them. And Moses says, I, no, Lord, please, I'm not going if, if you're not going. Yeah, think about it. Did every single solitary ancient Israelite participate in that sin? I don't think so. I think there were godly people who, who watched it and were horrified. And so where's their comfort? And their comfort is in, we see it in, in Exodus 34, verses, verse 6, where God proclaims his name to Moses. And he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, abounding in love. And there's that even in the midst of his anger at their sin, how does he choose to identify himself? Right. It's a compassionate, loving God who does go with them, right? Because Moses said, if if you don't come with me, Right. I'm not picking up stakes here. I'm just not doing it. I can't. I need your presence. Right, right. From my perspective, that's likely what God was trying to bring Moses to the whole time. And and we don't often see his grace until we recognize we need it. And so bringing him to this place where like, God's like, I'm going to give you guys all the blessing. You're going to get the land. I'm going to protect you from, you know, but I'm going to do it through angels. I'm not going with you. And Moses, like you said, he knew he absolutely needed God's presence. It would be too much for him 
apart from that. And we need his presence, but sometimes I forget that I need his presence. I can get so busy. And then I wonder why my stress is rising or I'm feeling more anxious. Not that anxiety always comes from lack of presence with God, but it does come from lack of presence. Like we can have anxiety for other reasons, but we, we won't experience God's peace apart from his presence. And, And don't we do that? I mean, don't we do what they did? Because as you said, God said, I'll give you the blessings. You'll go into the promised land, but my presence isn't going to go with you. And how often, and I confess myself, how often do I look for God's benefits more than I look for his presence? Somebody once phrased it that, do I look for his hand more than I look for his heart? Do I seek his heart? Do I seek an awareness of his presence? Or am I just looking for the results of that relationship with him? That what can he do for me? And God established that difference. And as you said, he was telling Moses, I think he was framing that conversation so that Moses would understand it's not about the promised land and the benefit and the angel. It's about God himself. And so Moses did acknowledge that. And he brought Moses to that point. And I think there are times he allows us to be brought to that point so that we can acknowledge and realize, now, wait a minute, I've been looking for the wrong thing, or at least in my life, I can't speak for anybody else. Right. But when we get all those other things and we're not feeling fulfilled in that peace, and then I've I'm like, okay, I guess I really did need God, like scripture says. The other thing I find intriguing about that passage is when Moses says, show me your glory, which basically means in essence who you are. And in ancient Hebrew culture, someone's name actually described their character. And I think it's interesting. God's response was that he was going to show, he was going to allow all his goodness to go before Moses. Basically, I'm going to show you my goodness, which then to me says God's glory and goodness are synonymous. I think that's good for me to remember also with this, the way he describes himself, like you said, he chose to say, I'm abounding in love. I'm abounding in mercy and compassion. And he he could have identified himself in so many different ways, but that was what he wanted Moses to really recognize. It's like he's saying, okay, when you choose my presence, here is what you're getting, Moses. You're getting my compassion. You're getting my grace. You're, You're getting my goodness, faithfulness, compassion, and my patience, my long suffering. Really, isn't that, as we move into Christmas, isn't that what we see in Jesus Christ? It was God's compassion and his love and his forgiveness and his faithfulness to his promises that resulted in the coming of the Savior. It's powerful when you think about it. And it's a comfort for those of us who did not have great father figures, because we are able to look at how God describes himself and know that this is who he is. This isn't some phony facade. This is God's nature. Moses said, show me who you are. And that's what God said he is. Right. So there's comfort in that. Right. I I do want to speak. I'm going to keep bringing this back. I do want to speak to those who really struggle with this point because it's not, my therapist will always talk about, she says, you can know in your head, but you can really struggle in your heart. And I think sometimes we're not even sure what's really in our heart. 
the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament, writing to the church at Ephesus, in chapter 3, he talks about being rooted and grounded, anchored and secured, and knowing God's love and that connection of being connected to God through his love. But so many times our baggage and our history won't allow us to put those roots down into his love. A few years ago, I live in South Florida and we get those lovely hurricanes that come through every so often. And we were in our house maybe a year and a hurricane came through and one of our oak trees just toppled right over and the root came up, roots and all just toppled over. And so the roots are all exposed and we weren't in the house that long. And so it was a fairly young tree, but it was a mature tree. It was mature enough. And I remember thinking, well, how come the other trees, why just this one? And so when the hurricane passed and we went out and did the cleanup job, what we saw was that when they put the tree in the ground, the root ball had been wrapped in burlap. I guess they figured the burlap would disintegrate and clearly there wasn't enough time had passed for it to disintegrate. So the roots were captured in this burlap and weren't able to push through and dig into the soil so that when the winds came, it was still wrapped in this burlap and it just toppled right over. And I remember thinking, if only we had known, we could have removed the obstacle to those roots going down deep. So we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, Ava, I would love it if you would read that passage that you referenced earlier. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Ava, 
Ava, now that we're back, would you read Ephesians 3, the passage that you referenced earlier? Sure. It's from Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 20. And Paul is talking to these believers. And he says to them, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, and I love this description here, Jennifer, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And think about it. He's saying by putting your roots deep into God's love, that's going to give you that sense of being connected to all the fullness of him, everything about him. Right. And so, yeah, you said you may be filled to the measure. And I love how he does connect that as well. And I also love when you said that we may grasp that in the original Greek, it has the connotation of really taking ownership of. And so it's really even forcefully grabbing hold of. And so to me, putting our roots in, being established, that's like having a firm foundation and grasping, all of those speak of a process, right? Like it's our roots go deep as you used a storm analogy. I don't know if this is true for all trees, but I've read somewhere that trees that are in particularly windy areas tend to have a deeper root system, that it's kind of their way of protecting themselves, helping themselves to stand strong. And so thinking of those analogies, the more we grasp God's love, the more we reflect on it, study it, search it out, pray that we would experience it. And I think that's a great prayer, right? Lord, help me to know the depth of your love. Then the stronger we will be when life storms hit us as well. And Think about the purpose of roots. The roots will take in that nourishment, the rain and the water and the, and the nutrients from the soil to feed the rest of the tree. And so when we root ourselves in God's love, our strength and our ability to cope and our sense of belonging to him all are going to flow from being rooted in his love. That's what's going to feed us. Right. Allowing his love to nourish us to the point where it becomes part of us. So when we allow God's love to become literally part of who we are, that's where our strength is. And what a great focus that is for us, because there are going to be times when our circumstances are going to be such that we're not going to feel his love. I think of the story of Daniel's three friends who are thrown into the fire. And the book of Daniel is in the Old Testament, and they're living in a pagan culture, and they are being punished for being followers of the one true God. And so they're thrown into this fiery furnace. And what do they say to the king? The king says, renounce your belief and you can be spared this. They're not willing to say, yeah, we're, we're willing to turn our backs on that because God's presence is that important to them and their relationship with God, at least from my perspective, that's so critical to them. Even if God does not rescue us it's okay that they end up in the flames. And that's how important it is for us to stay in relationship 
with the one true living God. I would like our listeners to to know that God was very present to those men. So they were living in Babylon at the time, and they were actually put in the furnace, and then then the furnace was cranked pretty hot. But then scripture says that the king looked, and he's like, there's there's a fourth person in there. And so Jesus stayed with them through that and their courage in a really difficult situation. They're choosing God over even their own life ended up being a huge witness to the king. For me, it comes back to that even if, even if God doesn't change my circumstances, am I still going back to Ephesians? Am I still grasping that love? Am I still holding on for dear life sometimes? regardless of my circumstances. I've spoken before on this podcast and other episodes about my husband's terminal diagnosis. And we were encouraged and comforted by the assurance of God's presence with us, even if Russ wasn't healed. The Christian group Mercy Me has a song that's titled Even If. And the the words of that song talk about, I know God, you can do this and you can do that. and But even if you don't, my hopes in you alone. And that's the chorus. So if we are seeking his love and rooting ourselves in his love and remembering who he is, he's compassionate and forgiving and loving, and he's all of these things, then even if my circumstances don't change, it'll be okay. I'm holding on to something that's holding on to me and will never let me go. Yeah. And I imagine that was true for you too, Ava, that God stayed with you as you walked through, because he is always, even if we don't feel him, we actually know. And we can remind ourselves, scripture says he is with us. He won't leave us. I think Jennifer, for some of our listeners, they may be thinking, well, that sounds all well and good, but how do I do that? How do I do that? And I think that for us or for my husband and I, as we were going through that, it was helpful because we had made a practice of practicing. There's a phrase that talks about practicing the presence of God. So in the little things, always trying to be intentional and aware that God is with us. Right. That he is Emmanuel, that he doesn't leave us alone so that when the crisis comes, whether it was Daniel's three friends in the furnace or whether it was my husband's terminal illness or or the crisis that, uh, that you went through last year, Jennifer, if we're intentional about practicing his presence, and when we say practicing, I think more that we're acknowledging, we're constantly acknowledging his presence in the good, in the not so good, in the little and in the big, so that when the crisis does hit, acknowledging his presence, practicing his presence, holding on to his presence, isn't a new habit we have to develop. Right, right. It's something we've been cultivating all along. Right. And I would add to this, we did have Dr. Irene Craigle on and she wrote a book, The Mindful Christian. I would encourage you to read that book. And it's okay. Like, I will ask, Lord, help me to be alert to your presence. And and I think we need to be comfortable. It doesn't even take like five minutes. Just close your eyes and rest in his presence. You don't have to have music on. You don't have to be saying anything to him. He doesn't have to be saying anything to you. Just becoming alert to his presence within you. And again, I love what you, I love your focus that we're practicing, we're learning to recognize his presence and to pause in it. So hopefully to our listeners, this gives you some things as you're walking through whatever you've got going on, 
this season. We know it's a busy season. And we also know because Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world, you'll have trouble. So we know a lot of you are experiencing trouble. And so we hope that in the middle of trouble, in the middle of the flames, in the middle of the tsunami, that even if you're not sure, like, God, I don't know if you're there, then maybe pray the Ephesians 3 prayer. Lord, help me to know your love, help me to sense your love, to experience it. And then pray, Lord, help me to sense your presence. And it's okay if you move towards him with your doubt. It's okay if this is how I can move forward today. And then just, just steadily one step at a time. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. God kept calling my heart. Like I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.